Hi, I'm Danny, and I've been a bartender in Las Vegas for the past 24 years. Over those years, I've heard a ton of great stories from fellow bartenders and Las Vegas workers. So I'll be your host as we listen in while they share their stories. This is Tales from Vegas. Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of Tales from Vegas. Welcome back, guys. Uh, welcome to joining the show here. It's it's going to be a little bit of a, a different show today. Um, as I've said, you know, I, I do this uh, podcast show, my show here. It's basically a hobby, something that I, I've, I've always wanted to do. And, and thank you guys for listening, if you guys have been with me this whole time. Um, what's tough here is... Uh, Work, you know, working here. I'm a, I'm a full time worker, bartender, as as you guys know and stuff. And the people that I, I I come in contact with and have as guests are people I know or, or or you know people that I have contact with that I've known through the bar or, or I've known have worked with or or family members or, or kind of sometimes a few times friends of friends. But I've always kind of known a little bit about. Um, and sometimes here our, our schedules don't always mesh up. And and um, I'm always I'm of a type of person I like to keep stuff consistent and so I've always liked to bring stuff out on on um on Thursdays as you know I'm always going to drop a, an episode for you folks and um I'm in schedules uh, this week again have uh, have clashed a little bit and and then I didn't want to go empty handed again for you guys I always want to put a little bit of something there so I do have a couple stories that I remembered myself of of, of living here of um and I thought I'd, I'd probably like to share for you guys and and I thought that was interesting. So I know growing up here, again, I moved here in the early 80s, obviously, with my parents. I was a young kid, and I went to school out here through the 80s. Um, and there was uh, one date here, and, and it, I remember just recently, um, I was uh, it was in uh, May 4th of 1988. Now, if, I don't know if people who are living in the Las Vegas area remember this date, but um, I was going to school um, at the time, uh, was, I think, I believe ninth grade in over here, um, at that time, uh, I think it was seventh, eighth and ninth grade were considered middle school. So I was still going to a middle school and the middle school I was going to at the time is a Cannon middle school. So it's kind of on the South side of, of, of Las Vegas. Well, at that time on this date, May 4th, 1988, there was a, um, a, I guess a rocket fuel, uh, factory, that we had that was deeper in, in Henderson at the time Henderson's built up. Now there was really nothing around it. It was called Pepcon, the Pepcon uh, Pacific Engineering and Production uh, Corporation, and it was short for for Pepcon. And they were um, they would make rocket fuel basically for the for the you know uh, NASA and stuff. And and, and reading up again uh, back on it, uh, they were saying at the time it was a few years after the uh, Challenger explosion. So NASA wasn't doing anything. So this uh, rocket fuel uh, factory was was just kind of building up stuff, and they had a lot of extra, um, I guess, fuel or product with them at, at, at the hand. And um, and I didn't go too deep into. It. I, I I checked up a little bit on a Review Journal uh, uh, article that came out a, a few years ago. They went over um at that time it was twenty eight years. So this is more than twenty years now. We're thirty four years, I believe. Um, where it was it, it the factory ended up blowing up and in with the uh, all the rocket fuel they had thing up the thing was a huge explosion so the way i had found out about it i was at school 
And funny enough, at the time, um, I was on the way to, uh, it was a lunch break. Um, and then at school, they mainly had you, you, you do the outside walk to the, they had doors from the inside and outside school. So we walked around the outside school to, to transverse to different classes and whatever. They didn't really want you walking inside. It was just, it'd be too crowded. So I was walking around the, you know, the, uh, south side of the, of the building and we see this big, huge, um, uh, cloud, uh, uh, uh you know, we can tell something was on fire and there was a bunch of us out there. You know, we're young kids and forget how old it was around 1988 and um, we're all looking like, ooh, look, look at that. And then we see this big um, mushroom cloud go up from when I remember. And we're like, whoa. And then we felt the, uh, the, we felt the explosion, the whole thing, the whole valley just shook, you know, and being young kids, we were like, holy crap. And so we, we screamed. And so I remember running because I was on my way to the cafeteria. So I, I run into the cafeteria. And and if I remember it, because there was a few explosions, another explosion happened. People, so I was running to the cafeteria. People were running out. So I'm, I'm, I'm running inside. And right when I get back inside, another explosion hit. So I remember looking up at the top of the ceiling when it, when it hit. And, you know, the, the ceiling tiles are all like little squares. When they hit, I, I remember seeing all the ceiling tiles jump up and jump back down. And luckily, they all landed back in place. So I start running back out, and everybody starts running back in. So I'm kind of doing that reverse kind of thing everybody's doing because I'm thinking, like, holy crap, this whole ceiling gonna, is going to come down. Um, so obviously, everybody was – we were all disorientated. The, the school's trying to get us together. We didn't know what the hell was happening. We thought for a second that we're being attacked. Uh, you know, because at the time, it's still kind of Cold War, Russia thing going on. And, and in the late 80s, it was still kind of – Weird. I don't know. Well, I was young. I, I didn't know what was going on. Um, I remember thinking, oh, was that the airport or was that uh, Nevada Power? You know, we didn't know what was going on. So what ended up happening is the Pepcon, obviously, explosion. I kind of poorly, you know, explained it. You could always look it up online uh, about it. Um, happened this huge, huge. Uh, I remember at least three huge explosions that happened. And all this is all this uh, rocket fuel they were, they were producing and storing, which is going off these big tanks. Um. It was so bad in the valley, especially, and we had lived closer in the Green Valley area, which is in the Henderson area, which was kind of closer to that uh, that factory. And I forget how far factory. You know, it's weird now because the whole valley of, of the Henderson area, which is right next to Las Vegas, we always considered part of Vegas. You know, if you think about the Vegas area, was um, it's all connected now. So back then, there was actually like a separation because the buildings weren't connected yet. So it was kind of sitting in the middle of nowhere. The only thing sitting next to it was a, a another building called the kid and company uh marshmallow company there were a marshmallow company there and that got destroyed with the explosion too now amazingly there was only uh i think one or two people that had had actually uh, got killed out for that you know and that's still one or two people too much but the amount of destruction that it that it looked like it could have had was uh it, it yeah two pepcon employees were killed um one was confined to a wheelchair and able to escape. Yes, and that's what I remember hearing the story. So there was only two people that were killed in that explosion. And I say only two, and I'm not trying to minimize it. Well, I think what I remember when I'm hearing the story was um, when everybody escaped, because they knew ahead of time that this was going to blow, uh, there was a gentleman in, in a wheelchair that, that couldn't get out, and another guy realized the guy was still in there. So he went back in there to go help him out, and unfortunately they both, you know, from the explosion, they both they both perished in that. But it seemed like all the other... Uh, uh, employees and people who worked there were able to get out. Um, I'm pretty sure they, obviously the kid, uh, Marshmallow Factory, they alerted them too because I don't, and it doesn't say anybody of them had, had perished. But this effect, I remember going through afterwards the effect. It was, I mean, we kind of almost like martial law was enacted, you know, because they didn't know. 
at that time, what was released in the air, what was going on, it was like a, a, a strict curfew. That's why I say martial arts, strict curfew. Everyone had to go inside. Everyone, don't go outside. You had to be in by nine for sure if you're at work, you know, whatever. Um, and in the weeks afterwards, we're going through, you know, a lot of people's garage. It was weird. We'd go down, the, we'd drive down the the streets and everybody's garages were buckled in because of the explosion. A lot of people's windows were blown out. Uh, people had cracks in their house, you know, from the explosion. A lot of people's uh, swimming pools were cracked. They had to get that then. So it was like a few a uh, few years that they had to get a lot of stuff, had to get fixed up and stuff. But I remember with buddies at the time, had a, an older, uh, oh, had a, a friend who had an older brother. We would drive around and look at everybody's garage doors. They were all kind of buckled in. Some were really bad. Some were just slightly dented. But it was odd feeling, you know, and finally realizing w- what that was was, was weird. But, um, yeah, I, mean, I just went across that article and I brought back that uh, that memory of, of, of seeing that explosion at school and, and and how scary that was being a young kid, you know, thinking like, oh, crap, you know, are we going to attack? You know, because you always had that Cold War feeling of that, you know, Russia's going to attack or, you know, the Soviet Union, whatever it was at the time, because it was the Cold War going on and and then not knowing who was, you know, what was exploding and and, and everything. So, but, um, yeah, that, that was a, a weird Vegas, uh, I guess, a Vegas story that was going on. So, yeah, now it's been 34 years. Those who were there, it's already been 34 years. And I guess uh, May, May 4th was the, the actual... Um, date that it was on yeah that's what I was, again so i'm getting this inf- a lot of this information um, from las vegas uh, journal article a couple of years ago because um i i totally forgot about it but um it was on there yeah so anyways okay so that you would like to hear about that um if, yeah you guys want to know any more about it look it up a uh, pepcon explosion 1988 it was very weird i guess surprisingly only two people and another part of that story i know um they're saying um, like hours later they were trying to round up all the people who had ran because the, the, the factory workers that ran, they just took off and, and around there was nothing but desert. So they were finding people like miles from there still running because they were freaked out and stuff. From what I'm, hear, I'm hearing, they, they were still trying to, you know, they they were just still running, I guess, or just walking away from it or whatever because they were, you know, freaked out. And how could you not be? They were closer to us and that those explosions at, from where I was at, which was miles away, was it almost knocked off, knocked us off our feet. You know, they were shaking our whole school basically. Um, and I'm sure, you know, if you ask a bunch of people who've lived in that time, had, had that, and remember they had that story of where were they at when the Pemcoil explosion had hit. So, so guys, being in Vegas here, um, I guess any big city you have going on that, that has, you know, that's happening stuff, you, you run into a lot of, of stars and stuff. And, being here in Vegas is, you know, we go through and the local casino. I'm at it's a little farther out. We don't see as much or deal with much stars or the bars I have been. I haven't dealt with much, but there has been a, a couple stories I thought were funny that uh, uh, some stars that we had uh, uh, served. Um, first, when I was working at the first casino I worked, I was working graveyard and um, it, graveyard's pretty slow. And this uh, casino was a little closer to uh, to the strip. And I just I was just starting as a bartender and I was working, so I didn't see much. It was just a bunch of you know your graveyard people, which can be kind of skeevy or it can be actually really good people. You know, it's 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 <laughs> either either or usually on that on that time. So when the bar was at, it was actually overlooking. It was a front bar, and you can actually see the whole table games. We call the pit area, and I see this really tall gentleman, and I'm I'm looking at him like that guy looks familiar. I'm like, holy shit, that that's Larry Bird, and the guy stands up, a really tall guy mustache and everything I'm like wow that's cool it's larry bird you know and obviously i'm not gonna go bug him but then um this larry bird guy starts walking up to the bar i'm like oh oh cool he's gonna come order a drink like yeah i want to get to serve you know larry bird a, a drink this is awesome this guy comes out to me 
listen to me? And I'm like, hi, hi, sir. I, you know, I didn't want to say, hi, Mr. Bird. I just, you know, hi, what can I get for you? And this guy opened his mouth to order. It was not Larry Bird. <laughs> I don't know what kind of accent this guy had. I don't know if it was like a Dutch or it wasn't Eastern European. It was some weird accent. And I was like, ah, I was so disappointed. It wasn't Larry Bird. He wanted a beer or something. So I gave it to him. I could barely understand him, but the accent was just terrible. But I, for sure, this dude, it was a dead ringer for Larry Bird. And I was going to tell him like, man, you should double for Larry, for Larry Bird because holy crap. But yeah, that was a little bit of a down for me. I was like, oh man, I did see other actual, um, uh, stars, you know, or, or just famous people, uh, actually just sitting there where they're playing at Franco Harris one time. That's an old school, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, player was in i could see him you know it was interesting at that time grivard so it's not that many people so you can kind of see everybody playing at the table game so you can see him playing there and people talking to him and, and that was frank o'harris people uh the waitress serving him had said yeah that's frank o'harris over there so but that was funny with the larry bird because i was so like ready like cool i get to serve larry bird a drink and yep no he didn't wah, wah, wah. um had another uh that started one time that came in and the one i actually got to serve at the irish bar we always talk about that that we had um and it was uh, uh, Brendan Fraser of all people came into the bar, and um, this was um, I, I forget what time it. So uh, it was probably about two thousand eight, two thousand nine um, period, and he was there and uh, with some lady. Now I know he had some tragedy in his life with, with with the family and everything, and I don't know if this is his wife. Not that he was intimate with nothing; it was just some lady he was just talking to. It almost looked like business talk or something, but um. He came in. One thing I noticed right away, when, you know, because you can't mistake him. It was Brendan Fraser all the way, uh, real quiet guy. And um, was he very, very pale? It was weird how pale he was. I mean, he was super, super pale. Now I'm a very light skinned guy, and I was like, "Holy crap, this guy is super pale!" Right? So, um, he came in. It was a couple nights. I think he were in there in town, probably shooting for some. I don't. I didn't want to bug him, but he had at the time that at Brendan Fraser hair. He was dressed up and and well, not dressed up, but he just looking the way it looks. So he came in and they were talking. So that Irish bar kind of had two parts. We had the front area part of the bar that was open to like where the whole casino could see. And then we had like a little black back bar area, not little, but just the back bar area. So that first night he came in, he was sitting there talking to this lady and I couldn't hear him. And I'm not trying to pay attention. You know, they just hey, ask him what they want, give him the drink, whatever it was. So something simple. And, um, well, I know that, um, the, some of the cocktail girls at, at the time had, had, someone had told them and realized that they were, they were there. So, um, and, the the bar, the, you know, the Irish bar was pretty big and they had these chairs against the wall. So they had a couple of girls, I guess, after work had grabbed a couple of those chairs just in view of him and sitting there drinking and, and kind of looking at him. So I think at the time he, uh, he had moved to the back area cause they started kind of a little bit, a few people up front. So I think we asked him or I don't remember if we had asked him, Hey, you want to move to the back area? It's kind of out of the site and no one can see you. So he moved to the back so after a little bit more, more of the cocktail girls that that off work were all sitting there. And suddenly there's like about eight, nine, ten of them all running up on the wall. They're just sitting there kind of just staring, staring at them. And then they're calling me over. They're like, Danny, Danny, what? Hey, go tell, uh, go tell Brandon Frazier that, uh, that, you know, we're all over here. And we're like, we really like him. We think he's great. I'm like, I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, just go tell him. I'm like, no, leave the dude alone. <laughs> he's just sitting there. He's having a, uh. You know, private conversation with this person. Like I said, it looks like they're talking business or something, whatever. They just leave them alone. And so they had to sit there. So you had Brendan Fraser talk there. Then you have these 
wall of you know, this chair. It's like this big bench against the wall. These chairs against the wall. We're all lined up with all the uh, off-duty cocktail waitresses all staring at him and stuff. And I was like, no, leave the dude alone. I, I get it. He was there. But uh, it, that, that was just the part of it. I just thought it was funny that they're just lined up looking. I'm sure he got it all at that time. He got it all the time. They just sit staring at him. And he, I know he noticed they were there. He just kind of, like I said, he's probably used to it by then. The funny part was uh, when they were sitting there for a while, and, and uh, it was just a weekend night or whenever, uh, Darby O'Gill and the band was coming in, and the, the bass player, Alex, was there, and you know, we're talking about it, and he's like, is that Brendan Fraser with her? I'm like, yeah, I saw, okay. So, and I guess Alex wasn't impressed. Like, I was like, whatever. And, you know, not that he didn't like the guy, but stuff. But then they started leaving, and um, Brendan Fraser starts leaving. He's like, oh, bye, guys. All right, bye. And so Alex is there. He's all like, all right, Encino, man. <laughs> really loud. And Brendan Fraser, not even looking back, he just flips us the bird. <laughs> and it started, because the way Alex said it was kind of like a, like being dickish. He's just messing around, having fun. And then we start laughing. But yeah, he didn't even look back. He just throws up, he throws up the, you know, the bird at us and just walks away. <laughs> and I was like, dude, Alex, what the fuck? And we just start laughing. But that was, uh, I thought that was pretty funny that, uh, that he had done that. But uh, otherwise, he was, he was pretty cool. He was quiet, you know, nothing. And, and a few musicians come to the bar. Um, some I didn't recognize. Uh, I know the um, a drummer for Pantera, and uh, please forgive me, I forget his name. The, and the gentleman just passed away not too long ago, too. But he came into the bar with to see the band Speed. I, I know he had known the guys there, um, and uh, check out and stuff. And and my buddy, uh, bartender Max, had pointed them out. You know, I, I'm bad about. I, I know the bands, but sometimes I don't know what they look like and stuff. So these guys were walking right by me. I was like, oh, there's the drummer from Pantera. I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, really? I'm like, well, that's fucking cool. So. Just interesting, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people uh, go through that, especially if you work in this thing, you know. And I'm, I have a bunch of different uh, interactions with with some of these people. Uh, another one, a really quick one, was um, it's uh, our own local uh, uh, Stephen Jackson, uh, the football player, who, running back, who was for uh, the LA Rams. Um, went to Las Vegas High School, if I remember right. Um, I know when he was still playing at the time, and I was walking to the casino one time, going somewhere. I was in the middle of work, and um. I passed by this huge person. I'm like, this guy is just ginormous guy. And I passed by and then I'm looking like, God, that is a huge, I go, he's got to be somebody. And I realized like, oh my God, that's Steven Jackson. But not that it was Steven Jackson. I just can't believe how huge this human being was. And I'm thinking he's just, a, I mean, just a running back. He's one of the bigger running backs, but I'm like, oh my God, I can't imagine being another football player and trying to tackle this big mountain of a person. So it was I just, it, until you see him in person, stand next to him, you realize, I'm like, God, man, this guy is ginormous. So I was out of this one, like, holy crap. Like, I can't believe, you know, and, and um, I imagine uh, we worked with, a, and uh, we've talked about Wilkie before. He used to be one of the bartenders with us, and he was an ex-NFL player. He's a big guy. And that Steven Jackson was almost as big as him. And I'm thinking, like, holy crap, man, that these, these just huge human beings, and you don't realize – the scope of it until you're actually standing next to these people. Or I guess if you go and watch them play, but even when you watch them play, you're kind of far enough back where you don't realize just how big these people are. But, uh, I was, that was, uh, that was always uh, like, uh, and seeing one time, uh, uh, Ray Lewis at, uh, at Caesar's palace one time I was there and he was in the middle of his playing time. And that was, uh, seeing how big that guy was just like, wow. So, but, uh, get the scope of, and I'm not a big guy either, but still these people are just ginormous. But, um, yeah. Um, so there's a couple of my, uh, stories for you guys um all right guys i hope you enjoy the the show here i know it's just a quick one um again i'll try to get some more guests on it, it's uh, our schedules are all full schedules man it's tough sometimes here but i'll try to get some content on for you guys um working on some new guests for you guys and everything uh if you guys uh would please um if you listen to the show you like it guys again i always like to reiterate that please uh 
rate, you know, and uh, share the show out there. It helps the, the show to grow and helps me to uh, keep going, know that people are still listening and stuff. Thank you, guys. If you want to follow the show, it's at TFE underscore podcast. It's on Twitter and Instagram. Again, it's at TFV underscore podcast. Or if you want to reach the show, it's at Tales from Vegas podcast at yahoo.com. Again, if you have anybody out there, if you live in the Las Vegas area, if you'd like to come on the show, if you'd like to call in, tell a story, if you think you have uh, someone that you would think would be great on the show, man, please contact me. Other than that, I'll see you guys again next time. Thank you. Bye.